Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Genesis. We'll be looking at two chapters this morning, that's chapter 43 and 44. Each of those chapters has 34 verses in it, so I'm not going to read all the verses. We'll read part of them, but we'll be looking at the whole passage. But following your Bibles as we read, beginning in Genesis chapter 43, uh, verse 1. And the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. Now skip over to verse 11. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so, now do this. Take the best fruits of the land in your vessels, and carry down the man a present, a little balm, a little honey, and spices, and myrrh, nuts, and almonds. And take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother, and arise, go again unto the man. And, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your brother, your other brother, and Benjamin. And if I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And the men took their present. And they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up, and went down to Egypt, and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said unto the ruler of the house, Bring these men home, and slay, and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade. And the man brought the men unto Joseph's house. And the men were afraid, because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, Because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondmen and our asses. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house and said, O sir, we came indeed down the first time to buy food, and it came to pass when we came to the end that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack our money in full weight, and we have brought it again in, in our hand. And other ma- money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. And he said, Peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought S- Simeon out unto them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and, and they washed their feet, and he gave their asses provender. And they made ready the present against Joseph, came to at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him, and the present was in, which was in the hand into the house, and bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare, and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom ye spake, is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant our father is in good health, he is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, 
God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber, and he wept there. And he washed his face, and went out, and refrained himself, and said, Set on bread. And they set on for him by himself, and for them by themselves, and for the Egyptians which did eat with them by themselves. Because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men marveled one to another. And he, and he took and sent messes unto them from before him, but Benjamin mess was, Benjamin's mess was five times as much as any of, of, the, of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. And he commanded the steward of the house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, and such as they, carry, they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he didn't according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their asses. And then when they were gone out of the city and not far off, Joseph said unto the steward, Up, follow after the men. And when thou dost overtake them, say unto them, Wherefore have ye rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby he indeed divineth? Ye have done evil in so doing. And he overtook them, and he spake unto them these words. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. Behold the money which we found in our, in, in our sacks' mouths we brought again unto, unto thee out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal out of the Lord's house silver or gold? With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die. We also will be our Lord's bondmen. And he said, Now also let it be according to, unto your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall, ye shall be blameless. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground, and opened every man his sack. And he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And they rent their clothes and laid at every man his ass and returned to the city. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage that reveals what was going on, Lord, behind the scenes in Joseph's mind, trying to get his brothers to come to the place where he could be reconciled to them. Lord, I pray that you might teach us lessons from this passage this morning and help us to properly divide the word of truth so that your people might be encouraged and edified. And Lord, so that anyone here who has never trusted Jesus as their Savior might come to know him today. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for everyone who's here. Give enablement to bring the message, and I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace is unmerited favor. We do not deserve God's goodness to us. We do not deserve God's blessings. We do not deserve salvation. We do not deserve His forgiveness and for him to adopt us into his family. We do not deserve to one day go to heaven. As Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. 
And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But before you can, anyone can become a recipient of God's grace, there must be humility. There must be humility. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So before you can have grace, you must have humility. Jesus told a story about two men who went to the temple to pray. It's found in Luke chapter 18. I want to share that with you. Verse 10, two men went up into the, up to, up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You see, the proud Pharisee never received grace. He didn't humble himself. It was the humble publican that received grace. It was the humble publican that was justified. That means declared righteous. He was reconciled to God because he humbled himself. The result of grace is reconciliation. As sinners, we are at enmity with God. That means we need to be reconciled. We're an enemy with God. And that reconciliation only comes about when God gives us grace. But before there's grace, there must be humility. And so you can't have reconciliation with God unless there's humility first. Genesis chapter 43 and 44 tells the story of Joseph's brothers coming back to Egypt to buy grain. They've been there once, now they're coming back to buy grain. Their families are being threatened by the prolonged famine that's in the land. And unless they can get more grain, they're probably going to die. The ruler in Egypt who is over the distribution of the grain is Joseph, their brother. But they do not know that it's Joseph. In fact, they think that Joseph is dead. They refer to the man, who is Joseph, down in Egypt as the man, the man in Egypt. The man in Egypt has accused them of being spies the first time down there, they were down there, and he told them that they could not come back and get any grain unless they brought their youngest brother with them to prove that they were not spies. So Joseph is testing them when they come down this second time to see if they were repentant of their evil deeds that they did in selling him into slavery. You see, Joseph knows that the men standing before him are guilty of, of, of being against him. They hated him. They threw him down in a pit. They sold him into slavery. They, he knows that about them. They don't know that this is Joseph standing in front of them. He had not seen them for 22 years, and so he wonders if they have changed at all. They were proud, evil men the last time he saw them. They, they, they've been sufficient. He wonders if they've been sufficiently humbled so that he can have this reconciliation that's needed. I mean, there they are in front of them. He knows he's their brother. Will they be able to reconcile? And Joseph's in the driver's seat, you might say, say, to determine whether this reconciliation can take place. 
reconciliation is necessary for them to experience the the rec- for them to experience getting back together and also being in the land of Egypt as a family because it's God's will to take all the family down to Egypt but they must be reconciled before that happens now let's consider the brothers and their previous condition if you're talking about these brothers that are in front of Joseph and at this time there's 11 of them it was 10 the first time but they brought Benjamin so there's 11 brothers in front of them Let's talk about those 11 brothers and their past and what Joseph might have known about them. He didn't know all of this because some of it took place after they left. But here's their past. First of all, Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi were those two sons. They were the second and third. There was Judah, Simeon, and Levi. and then I mean, there was Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and then Judah. So Simeon and Levi had slaughtered the Shechemites. You remember what happened? They talked the men of the, of the Shechemites into being circumcised, and while they were sore, they just killed every one of them. Slaughtering. In fact, later, Jacob says of them that they were instruments of cruelty. And so these two brothers were cruel men. Now, Joseph knew about that. Jacob said, you've troubled me to make me stink among the inhabitants of the land. When this happened, that's what he told them. You've made me stink among the inhabitants of the land. But then it wasn't just Simeon and Levi. The Bible also says after they killed all those men, then the other brothers helped out and spoiled all those those people they'd killed. They took their possessions and they ran away with it. And then there were the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah. We know about them because the Bible tells us that those those sons, there were four of them, there was Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. They, they uh, were with Joseph uh, tending the sheep, and the Bible says Joseph brought back to his dad an evil report of them. In other words, they were evil men. They were doing bad things, and Joseph, the God-fearing one seemed to be, uh, he told on them to his, to his dad. He said, look, my brothers are really doing bad things, so he brought back an evil report. So that's, that's for the brothers. And then there's Reuben. Reuben was the oldest. And Reuben had lain with his dad's concubine, Bilhah. So he was guilty of a terrible sin. And so Reuben is a bad guy. And then there's Judah. Judah was the fourth son. And you remember after they sold Joseph into slavery, the Bible says Judah left them and he went down to the Canaanites and he became friends of a man there and he married this man's daughter And so he married a Canaanite, an unbeliever. She had a couple children. They died, as you remember. And then he had a relationship with his daughter-in-law. He didn't know it was his daughter-in-law. He thought it was a harlot, but so he was immoral. He had a relationship with her. And so that's Judah. Well, that's eight of the sons. There's 12 of them all together, counting Joseph. That's eight of them. And then there's those two that are not mentioned, and that's uh, Zebulun and Issachar. Zebulun and Issachar were with the brothers when they sold Joseph into slavery. That means they were also, the Bible says, all of those brothers hated him, so they were, had hatred in their heart for Joseph. They also participated in the selling. They participated in throwing him in the pit. They participated in the meal round about the pit, seeming unconcerned about Joseph, who's down in the pit crying. 
And so Issachar and Zebulun, uh, they were party to that. They were party to selling them off into slavery. They were party to spreading the lie to, back to their dad to tell him about Joseph. Uh, these were bad men as well. So Benjamin's the only one left. And Benjamin really wasn't involved in any of those bad things. He was younger at the time, and he wasn't involved in the bad things that these men were doing. But that's the brothers standing before Joseph. Let's think of the ten brothers not counting Benjamin. Now, those ten brothers had for 22 years stood behind a lie that they told Jacob. They stood behind that lie. So for 22 years, they've been lying and uh, embellishing that lie, making up excuses and all those things. They've they've been uh, perpetuated the lie to Jacob so that, and he was hurt because of it. He mourned. He cried. He was, he, he, he was really upset because Joseph, he thought, was dead. And they had soaked Joseph's coat in blood to deceive their father, and so they're party to making their dad feel so bad. And they've kept this for 22 years. You see what my point is? These were not good men. And when they appear before Joseph, he is to determine whether they have changed or not. He wants to know if there's been any change in them before he reveals himself to him to them and tries to make this reconciliation in the family, he has to know if some things have changed. And so that's the story that we have before us this morning. Now let's go over some of the story. First of all, back in the previous chapter we dealt with earlier, Joseph demands that Benjamin come back with them when they come back. Now, he knows they're going to come back because Joseph knows that the famine's going to be for seven years. When they come down the first time, it's been at least a year, to, at least a year probably. And now they're coming back again. But when he, sent, when he told them he had to bring Benjamin, they knew, he knew they had to come back because he knew the famine was going to be a long time. Joseph probably reasoned that Benjamin's coming would reveal uh, their feelings about Benjamin and also about Jacob. You see, Joseph knew by experience that if Jacob favored someone like himself, the brothers didn't like it, and they hated Joseph. He's wondering if Benjamin's getting the same kind of treatment. He doesn't know, and so he's trying to find out that. He also knew that they probably have not told their dad about what happened. I mean, he's almost convinced they've never told him what really happened. And so they, he knows that they've been perpetuating a lie and they've been hurting their dad all this time. And so he knows that about them. And so he has to determine what, about these men what's, what's really gone on in their life. You remember Reuben had offered when they sent this, when, he, when they went down the first time and Joseph said, you've got to bring your brother back. When they went back home, Reuben said to his dad, Dad, uh, I'll, be, I'll take care of Benjamin. You send him with me, and I'll take care of him. And if I don't bring him back, you can kill my two sons. Now, that was a rash thing to say. And you remember what Jacob said. Jacob said, my son shall not go down with you. Now, I can understand that because, because he was the one who committed uh, adultery with Jacob's concubine, uh, Bilhah, and he wasn't about to trust that son with his, with his younger son. But Jacob told them now to go back to Egypt. They've run out of the first grain that they got. 
and it's time to go back. And he says, if, I want you to go back to Egypt and get some more grain. Judah speaks up and he says, if you will not send ben- Benjamin, we will not go. The man told us we will, you will not see his face. We will not see his face until Benjamin comes. So if you don't send Benjamin, we can't go. Uh, Judah said, send the lad with me and I will take care of him. I'll be surety to him, uh, for him. And also, if he doesn't come back, then I will share the blame forever. I'll take the blame forever. And then he adds this. If we hadn't lingered, we would have already been able to make this trip twice. And we wouldn't be in the shape we're in of about really lacking food. And so Judah says that to Jacob. And then Jacob says, if it must be so, take now a gift. Now the gift he mentions is similar to the one that the Ishmaelites were taking down to Egypt. So evidently in Egypt, there was a demand for these things. These were sort of luxury items. There was balm and spices and myrrh, and then there was uh, nuts and almonds. And so these things were being taken down uh, to Egypt. So he says, send the man a gift. That man down in Egypt, that man is Joseph. But he says, send the man a gift. And then he says, take the money that that you had in your sacks before, take that back to him, and we'll also take double money. So it seems like he had double money plus the money that they found in their sacks. And then he makes the statement, we find it in verse 14, if you look at chapter 43. He says, And God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your, your other brother and Benjamin, and if I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. He's finally come to the realization that he's just going to have to trust God. Remember earlier it said, everything's against me. But now he says, I'll just leave it in the hands of God, pray for God's mercy, and uh, if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. So the brothers get together, and they all go down to Egypt, and they stand before Joseph. And verse 15 says, pictures them standing there before Joseph. Joseph saw Benjamin, and he knew it was Benjamin. And he said to the man, he said, you bring these men to my house and I'm going to have lunch with them at noon. It'd be lunch. He says, at noon, you bring them to my house and we'll have lunch together. And uh, so he brings them to the house and before they go in the house, they're standing at the door and they're afraid. And they talk to the man who's over Joseph's house and they say to him, Look, the last time we were down here, when we left and got to the end, we, fa- we opened our sacks and all of us found our money in our sacks. And we did not take that. I don't know how it got there. We didn't take it. And uh, we brought that money back to you. And then the steward said, well, don't worry about that. And look at verse 23. He says, and he said, peace be to you, fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given your treasure into your sacks. I had your money, and he brought Simeon out to them. So all of a sudden, they, they have this money problem solved. And he says, no, I have your money. It must have been your God. I'm sure he knew probably better, but he, that's what he told them. It must have been your God that put your money back in your sacks, and I have your money. Everything's okay. And then he brought out Simeon. You remember, Simeon was held captive down there until they came back. So he brings them out. Then he gives them water to wash their feet. 
and he feeds their donkeys. Now, I was thinking about that in this day. What would that be likening to? That would be like you going to visit somebody and them saying, come in and freshen up, and while you're freshening up, I'll go fill your car up with gas, <laughs> you know, because that was their car. And uh, it runs on fuel, and that's called food. And so he fed, they fed the donkeys. And so they said, do that. we'll do that, and uh, you get ready. And then Joseph came home. He had been out on business. He came home around noontime, and they presented their gift to Joseph, and they bowed before Joseph again. They bowed down and made obeisance to the earth. And he asked of their welfare, and he says, Is your father well, the man that you told me about? Is he well? And they said, Yes, he's well, and and is he alive? And they responded, Yes, he's in good health, and he's alive. I don't know why they put it in that order. You'd think you ask if he's alive first, and then is he in good health. But that's what they said. Is he in good health? And uh, is is he alive? And they said, Yes, he is. And he saw Benjamin. You remember he saw him when they first stood before them, but now he sees them in his, in his house. He sees Benjamin, and uh, he asked them, he says, is this your younger brother? And they said, yes, the one that you told me about. He said, yes, it is. And he looked to, his, to, the, to Benjamin, he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. And then his emotions were being just overwhelmed him, and he had to get out of that room. So he quickly left. And he went to his chamber, his, his room, and he broke down and cried. He was so overcome by the fact that there's his brother. He hadn't seen any of them for all this time. Well, he saw the other brothers earlier when they came, but this one, Benjamin, he hasn't seen him for 22 years. And so he breaks down and cries. And then he washes his face. You know, after you cry, you wash your face. So he washes his face. And he came out and he restrained himself, he refrained himself, and, uh, and then he said, set on bread, the servants, you know, bring out the food. And so at the meal, the Hebrews sat by themselves, the Egyptians sat by themselves, and Joseph sat by himself being the ruler. And one reason they say the Hebrews sat by themselves was that it was an abomination for the Hebrews to eat with the Egyptians. Sounds like some of our history, doesn't it? Doesn't it in the past? And uh, there's been that type kind of thing. It doesn't have have to be a person of a different color. The Egyptians were that way to the Hebrews. Uh, they had prejudice, but that's the way it was back then. And so they set set separately, and they brought everybody's food out. But to Benjamin, they brought five times the amount of food. Now, as they were setting the, the, the brothers up for the meal, they set them in a particular way, and that is Reuben was, was first, you know, and then they noticed this guy was setting them that way, and it was unusual because they were set in the age, in the order of their age, and Benjamin was the last one, from the oldest to the youngest. And then they brought, and the men marveled at that. They wondered. They probably thought, well, he's even able to divine, you know, <laughs> about this. And, and so they didn't know it was Joseph. And so then they bring the food out to Benjamin, and they give Benjamin five times as much food as the others. Now, in those days, it was customary, we understand, that if you wanted to honor a guest at a meal, that you gave them more food. 
and that was known to be a, sig a, sig a signification of honor. And so that's what they did with Benjamin. And then the Bible says they made merry. They just had a good time. Joseph and the other Egyptians and all these 11 brothers, they had a good time. They were laughing and making merry. And these brothers thought everything is great. <laughs> I mean, here the money problems are solved. They said uh, God put it in our sacks, and they had our money. That's solved. Simeon has been away from us all this time, and they brought him back. And we thought we were going to lose Benjamin, but everything's all right with Benjamin. And uh, we're going to go home happy. <laughs> and they thought everything was all right. But we need to remind ourselves of something. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And sometimes you can have things in your past, things that, that you've done, and you think everything's smoothed over, but all of a sudden, it'll come out. And so they think everything's all right, and so they leave. The next morning, they leave. And then Joseph commanded his steward and said, fill each man's sack with food, as much as he can carry. Put every man's money back into his sack. That money he brought down, uh, brought to Egypt, put it back in his sack. And then in Benjamin's sack, put Joseph's, Joseph said, put my silver cup in his sack. And so that was all done, and the men got their sacks. They didn't know what was going on. They put them on their donkeys, and they headed out. And the Bible says they didn't get very far and Joseph said to the steward of his house, now go get those men and bring them back. And when you get there and you meet them, you tell them, uh, how could they do this, reward evil for good? How could they do this and take my, my cup, the cup with which I divine, uh, saying as if Joseph uh, was involved in things like that. He wasn't really, but he was just playing the story out. And he says, tell him that's an important cup. And how could they dare do such a thing? Well, the brothers responded and said, Why do you say such words? I mean, God forbid that we should do anything like that. Didn't we bring our money back that, that was in our sacks before? And bringing it back, we gave it back to you. How would we do something like that and then turn around and steal silver or gold from, from your Lord's house? We didn't do it. And they said this. In fact, we're so sure we didn't do it. If you find the cup in any one of our sacks, that person with whom you find the cup, he will die, and all the rest of us will be your servants. And um, the Bible says that they took down their sacks off of their donkeys, and they began to open it. And again, they opened it in, in age. They started at Reuben. They went on down. Everything seemed all right. There's no mention of them finding the, the money. It was there, but evidently that didn't matter at this time. So they found all this, but when it came down to Benjamin, they opened his sack, and there was the silver cup. The Bible says they rent their clothes, a sign of sorrow, of despair. They rent their clothes, and they put their sacks back on their donkeys, and they returned to the city. They came to Joseph's house, and they hadn't been gone long, so Joseph was still home, and they fell down before Joseph. And he said to them, What deed have you done? Don't you know that a man like me can divine? I can figure out what's going on. Of course, that's not how it happened. Joseph planned it all. But he said, Don't you know that? And then Judah, 
speaks up. And Judah says he confesses his guilt to Joseph. In fact, the guilt of all of them. And he says this, what shall we say? I mean, what can we say? How can we clear ourselves? And then he made this statement. God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. I'm sure that he had in mind Joseph and what they did to him. And this has bugged them all these 22 years. And it seems like now that something's happening, God is, is finding out the iniquity of, their, of, of all these men. And then they said this, we are all your servants. All of us will be your service, servants. And jo- Joseph objects, and he says, no, God forbid we do that. He said, only the one with whom the cup was found, he will be my servant. The rest of you can go back to your father. And then Judah pleads with, J- with Joseph. And we read that beginning in verse 18. I'd like to read that account. Some have called this one of the most touching speeches in the Bible. And it's a man pleading for his brother, pleading for mercy. And if we read, as we read this, we find out that Joseph, is, or rather Je- uh, Judah is actually doing what uh, Jacob prayed. You remember when Jacob sent them on that second trip? He said, may God have mercy. <laughs> may God have mercy. May you find mercy with this man down in Egypt. And that's what Judah is praying for right now. We begin the reading in verse 18. Then Judah came unto him and said, O my Lord, let my, thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not mine anger, thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as, as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left with, of his mother, and his father loveth him. Now, it says in our, in our King James, a little one. It can really be translated a young man. And so because he's not just a little boy, sometimes we get that impression. He's not just a little boy. When he goes down to Egypt, we find that he has 10 children. <laughs> Benjamin does. So he's in his 30s probably at this time. And so thou sayest unto thy servants, bring him down unto me that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father. For if he should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidst unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, ye shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again and buy buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down. If our younger brother be with us, then then will we go down. For we may not see the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces. And I saw, saw him since, not since. And if ye take, away, take this away from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he seeth that the, man, that the lad is not with us, that he will die. 
and thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy, of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman, to my Lord, and let, let the lad go up with his brethren. How shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me? lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come to my father. You see, Judah is pleading for Benjamin's life. He's pleading that he will be able to take the place of Benjamin. He's pleading to Joseph, and as his father had prayed, have mercy upon us. We said when we started the message that humility must come before reconciliation. The stage is now set for the reconciliation to take place, which will take place in chapter 45. In chapter 45, Joseph reveals who he is, and his brothers are just awestruck. I don't know what to think, that this is Joseph, and the reconciliation takes place. But before that reconciliation could take place, there had to be humility. Now, everyone at this point is sufficiently humbled. Reconciliation can take place because everyone is humbled. Let's think about all the people that are humbled. Back home, Jacob is humbled. He has been brought from the place where he said, everything's against me, to where he says, may God have mercy, and if I be bereaved, I bereaved. He trusted the Lord. This needed to be. This needed to be for Jacob, even though he's not in the scene right now. He's back home. But later he will come and be reconciled to all, his, all of his family, and he'll be a part of this reconciliation. So he has to be humbled as well. But then his sons, there in, in Egypt, they must be humbled. Well, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi are evidently humbled because of their sin. In fact, there's no hint of any disagreement because Judah, the fourth son, is taking the lead. He's the leader of the family, and Reuben's not saying anything about it. Simeon's not saying anything about it. Levi's not saying anything about it. They have probably come to the realization their sin has disqualified them, and so they're humbled in that way. All the brothers have rent their clothes when they found out that the cup was in Benjamin's stack. And they said, what shall we say? God hath found out our iniquity. God hath found us out. And all the brothers seemed to agree with Judah when he said that, and they rent their clothes. Even Benjamin is not crying foul play. He could because he's the innocent one. But he seems to sense that God is doing something, and he does what's sometimes hard for us to do, and that is he was just quiet. He was humbled. Judah has been growing spiritually since his lapse in, in immorality. And he has become stronger, and he's the one that mentions the Lord. And, and uh, he seems to be getting stronger in his faith. And he's become the leader of the home, or leader of the household, leader of the brothers. And he's the one who speaks for them. And so something has been taking place in Judah's life, and he has been humbled as well as he's brought to this place where he has to plead with Joseph. All the brothers are taking up for, Je for Benjamin. You know, if this had been a few years earlier, they wouldn't have done that. Uh, they were taking up for Benjamin. They weren't moving, moving against him. 
when Joseph was in a similar position, they moved against him, but they're not moving against Benjamin. Benjamin's getting them into all this trouble from the way they look at it because the cup's in his sack, but they're not turning against Benjamin. The brothers are not jealous of Benjamin. Even when Joseph put five times as much food in front of him as a a symbol of honor, they were not jealous. They said nothing about it. They did not hate him. They did not want to hurt him like they did Joseph. When given the opportunity to get rid of Benjamin, they could have because Benjamin's the culprit. And they said, you can all go home. And Benjamin, we found the cup in his sack. He can stay. They could have said if they had been like they were when, when they were with Joseph, Earlier, they would have said, take him. We'll go back home. We'll get rid of this favored son, and we'll tell our dad what happened down there. He stole the cup, and they kept him. They could have done that, but they didn't. They were willing to suffer with him and suffer for him. You see, they had made a great change. They had been humbled. And then all the brothers were concerned about the father. Joseph, no doubt, was wondering about that. They didn't seem to be concerned about Jacob earlier. They were willing to lie to him. And Joseph was sure they had not told him the truth. And so uh, he sees that they they really care for the dad as well. And they're saying, we cannot let this happen. Our dad's been hurt once. We cannot let this happen again. We will not hurt him again. They were willing to admit that God had found them out and their iniquity had been discovered. And now there were no more excuses, there were no more objections, there were no more arguments. It was settled, and the Lord had found them out. They had nothing to say. They were humbled. And let's not forget Joseph. Reconciliation is going to involve Joseph as well. He has to be humbled, and Joseph is. Joseph, when he first sees his brothers, you remember he goes, he turns aside and he cries because when he saw them, and we find that in chapter 42. And um, he, he turns aside. And uh, when he fi- finds out that uh, his brothers uh, are bowing down before him, and he overhears them saying, we are guilty concerning our brother. We are very guilty concerning our brother. They didn't know he understood, but he did. And when he heard that, he could have said, yes, <laughs> but he didn't. He had to get out, or he had to turn aside and weep and he was broken, and he wept. And then later in the passage we've read today, when Benjamin comes and he sees Benjamin, and he asks him, is this this your youngest brother? And they said, yes. And he says, God bless you, son. And then he turns aside, he has to go out of the room, and he weeps bitterly in his own chamber, so much so that he has to clean up, you know, and wash his face and everything. He is a broken man. He is humbled. And so all of them are humbled and reconciliation can take place. That is what this passage tells us. Reconciliation is coming, chapter 45. But before it happens, there must be humility. Let me say this as we close. And so it is today. If you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but there's never been a time in your life when you've been humbled, I wonder if you've ever been saved. You see, the Lord says we have to come to the place where we realize we're sinners and we must be repentant and we must be humbled by the fact that we are sinful. And uh, I've met people who claim that they're saved and uh, they still think they're really good people. 
I've met people who claim they're saved, and you say, and you say uh, something like, uh, uh, how long have you been a Christian? They said, oh, I've always been a Christian. All my life I've been a Christian. No, you haven't. If you th- say you've always been a Christian, then where did you come to that place where you realized you were just a wretched sinner in need of a Savior? And so everybody has to come to that place. I remember when I was truly saved, I was humbled. I was bawling my eyes out. I was crying. I, I was, and no, not everybody has to have that experience. But I know that when you come to the realization that you're a sinner and you're hell-deserving and you're hell-bound, and then you come to know Jesus as your Savior and you realize that He died on the cross for your sins, and your faith goes back to the cross, and you see all that he suffered for you, and it humbles you to think that he loved me that much that he died for me. Yes, if you're truly saved, you must come to a place of humility because humility comes before grace, and we're saved by grace, and so humility comes before grace. And then if you're a Christian, if you're truly saved, but you've sort of drifted away from the Lord, and you're not living for him like you should, and you're not in the place where you should be, before you ever come back to the Lord and be where you should be, it's going to take humility. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Well, I just can't imagine anybody drawing nigh to deity and being proud. I mean, how how is that possible? How can a Christian who knows you've been failing come to the place where you draw nigh to God and you're still proud. I mean, a sinner like we are, standing before a holy God, there's no way we can be anything but humbled. And so if you ever get back to where you should be as a Christian, there must come humility. And then I want to apply it one other way. There might be some here today who are parts of a family, and your family is torn apart and it needs to be reconciled. I remind you that you need grace. That family needs the unmerited favor of God. That family needs for God to do something. But God won't do anything unless there's humility. And sometimes it takes maybe we're the party that hasn't done anything wrong. But Benjamin was that way. He was the party that hadn't done anything wrong. But he was still humbled. And uh, we have to be humble. Sometimes we have to be willing to take wrong. Sometimes we have to be willing to take the initiative and to uh, get things going and, and come back to a person and look and say, I don't know what's, what it is that you're upset with me about it, but I am sorry, whatever it was. And if you'll tell me, I can try to make it right. But there has to be a humility. As long as there's a prideful look and a proud attitude, as long as that's there, there won't be reconciliation. And so there has to be humility. And so the message of all this, these two passages is this. Before reconciliation comes, humility has to come. Joseph, at the end of chapter 44, I'm sure inside he's smiling. And he's saying, I can see. These men are broken. These men are humbled. It's time for me to tell them who I am. And he did. And we'll look at it the next time in chapter 45. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for helping us to see the necessity of humility. Lord, there's no way we can be proud as we come before you. You're almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, 
and you're all pure. And we are sinners in need of a Savior. And I pray if there's anyone here that's never trusted Jesus, that you'd help them to realize their need today. And they would come before you as a lost sinner and say, Jesus, I believe you died for me, paid for my sins, and I want you as my Savior. I believe you rose from the grave, and I want to serve you. May they come humbly before you. Lord, if there's some of us today who have things in our life that shouldn't be, I pray that we will come humbly before you and get those things taken care of. Help us to be humble people serving a great God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.